Hello everyone and welcome to the Oodcast, the Ood One Out edition with me, Chris Sigma. Uh, lovely to have you with us again. I am in a great mood this week. What a time to be a Doctor Who fan. What a time to be alive. Um, and also what a time to be recording a podcast with a wonderful improviser and friend, Tom Webster. Hello. Hiya. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Busy, busy, busy. Yeah. But it's good to hang out. In a very quiet room and just chat about Doctor Who with you. Isn't yeah, it? Half really an hour nice. of just Doctor Who talk. Yeah. That's I mean, the best thing you could do. <laughs> I could spend my entire days doing that. Well, well, we can live the dream for at least <laughs> half an hour. I'm very excited. Um, Tom, you are a Doctor Who fan. Please, could you talk to the audience about your history with the good Doctor? Wow. Um, okay, so I've been a Doctor Who fan for probably about 22 years. Uh, Is that I, your whole life, Tom? Much of my life. Yeah, you're, <laughs> I feel like you're a youngster. I'm, I'm uh, 27 now, so I think I was about four when I discovered it. Um, my maths is completely wrong there. Um, but I discovered it when I was really young when they were repeating a lot of episodes on the BBC. Um, I think maybe for the... 30th anniversary um and the sea devils was on which is an amazing story and my first uh little snippet of doctor who was john pertwee being attacked by sea devils and doing a really funny face as he was sort of smothered by them and i was hooked from that from that moment onwards was it the funny face was the, it yeah. the gurning that got you into it <laughs> i think so you know and the fish people with the string vest kimono thing. I mean, that is a good look. <laughs> it's great. I've been trying to emulate it ever since, but uh, completely failed. I don't think you completely failed. I've got to say that there's a certain <laughs> part of your wardrobe that is forever alien in a really good way. <laughs> thank you. I hope I... you take that as a compliment. It was meant as such. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, I, pretty much everything I do has been inspired by Doctor Who, really. Tom rocked up today with the Seventh Doctor umbrella. I do, yes. Uh, the lovely question mark umbrellas. Uh, I, I love it because it's, um, I think it's probably the the geekiest thing I own. But it doesn't scream Doctor Who. You know, it's got no. like Daleks all over it. So it, it's just a really cool umbrella. I've had quite a lot of compliments about it just because of the question mark. But um, occasionally you'll get someone who gives you the, that nod. Yeah. And says build a hive of happiness or something like that. And you're like, yeah. It's also a great prop. It's really well made. It's, it looks beautiful. It's awesome. I mean, mm. like, it's proper solid. I'll, Is it I'll official it BBC merchandise? Yes, I got it from a wonderful place called The Who Shop in mm. East London. Um, and, yeah, it, it's been out in all weathers. Like, it's been out in thunderstorms and gales, and it's, it's survived. I mean, I can float up like Mary Poppins on it. It's great. <laughs> uh, so, Tom, you got into it at a young age. Yeah. Uh, you've been you kept the faith throughout all of this time absolutely i mean i had the wondrous vhs's to collect so i had every single era of doctor who at the same time um and then fortunately my best mate was also a doctor who fan so i had someone to channel all of that energy with um uh luke spillan um and of the fan show of right, the fan Tom? show yes yeah, and other 
awesome stuff. Of awesome stuff. He also does improv with me in my improv group. So, yeah, we've spent a lot of time with each other over the last 20-odd years. Um, yeah, and just hooked, um, collected everything, and then ended up doing a sort of Doctor Whoy job for Big Finish with the cover designs and things like that. So it's been cool. Amazing. Do you have a, a favourite d- cover design that you've done for a story? Ooh. Okay, well, I'm a massive fan of late 80s stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I did a Sylvester McCoy cover. It was called We Are The Daleks. And it's got um, it's got a, one of those brilliant white and gold Daleks on it um, with um, pound coins floating everywhere. Um, and it's set in kind of like in the heart of the city in 1987. Um, so it's got a big tower block on it in the shape of a Dalek. And they're basically uh, using capitalism as their main weapon in that one. Oh, the uh, Daleks. What, what won't they do? What won't they do, Tom? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'd love to find out. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, well, we'll check that one out. Yeah. Tom is a very talented designer and a brilliant improviser and actor as well. You've got so many strings to your bow, it's practically a harp. That's that's how <laughs> I like to, to describe you. Ooh, sorry, that peaks. That's okay. We can peak. There's no problem. Um, <laughs> fantastic. Peaks. Twin peaks. We hey. peaked at the same time. Um, <laughs> so it's going to be a very simple format. Yes. Um, we're going to say three things that we loved about the show and one thing that we didn't in the what's been called the ood ratio of three good things to every bad thing. That's lovely. No one's called it that. I've just coined that phrase just now. Well, something beautiful started right here, right now in this room, I think. That's great. One thing. Well, uh, the first thing and probably the rather obvious thing that I loved is the fact that the 10th Planet Cybermen are back. I mean, like I didn't ever think that was going to happen. Mm. They're, they are personally my favourites. They're, they're, they're the scariest for sure. Because um, I think they go right back down to the sort of core of what what makes the Cybermen so so scary is the Probably fact that more body horror almost yes oh my, it's so clinical i imagine smelling of formaldehyde you know and the fact that they've got bandages over their faces and and these weird kind of rubber glove things are so surgical and nightmarish and i think it serves as testament to how brilliantly designed they were originally mm-hmm. that they're still scary like my, I watched it with the family, and my mum like she almost couldn't watch it. It was it was proper proper good. So yeah. glad to see them back. Um, I will agree. My first point is specifically how creepy this was, how skin crawlingly awful moments of this was uh, and i love that they'd use that kind of what 40s or 50s english aesthetical yeah. brick buildings and factories and stuff yeah. because presumably. Um, Mondas is developed in the same way as as Earth did, yeah, yeah, or or something, which I think was really awesome. It was so scary to reveal that they're constantly in pain, and essentially <sighs> that bit with the volume control, yeah. where like, oh, we'll fix this. We'll just turn his voice off. It was that was proper dark stuff. That mm. wasn't it. Proper proper dark. I mean, I almost I was welling up at that moment. I, Doctor Who really gets me like that these days. But I was like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. I think that's where um, Stephen Moffat's at his best because he'll he'll go back um, with the classic stuff and add something new to it, um, mm. and you're like, of course. But something that feels like it was there all along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially with the um, the reveal of the 
sort of the bar things that they have on their heads um, stopping them from caring they're still in pain like you don't think that they feel anything but maybe for all this time every Cyberman we've ever seen has been in terrible pain but has just not really cared about it it's like what or there's probably some small part of their brain that really cares about it that has just been shut off from the rest of the brain which is so awful as a concept <laughs> yes, isn't it it's horrible <laughs> And I think you're right about the design as well. The fact that they aren't, like later ones were, were sort of pretending to be metal, right? The silver mm. tinfoil jumpsuits and, and the metal elements. They were basically robots by that point. Yeah. But this idea that these ones are cloth and rubber yeah, held yeah. together with a framework of steel and there's this sort of rotting, ruined body underneath it is just <laughs> so horrible isn't it horrible i mean I, I i don't think we've had to this moment in the new series a cyberman that's not really solid and metallic basically like iron man you know mm-hmm. um because i always preferred the ones where they they do wear these kind of really tight body suits because you can absolutely believe there's a human body underneath there it's um it's brilliant because um we we take the piss out of oh can I swear you can <laughs> we <laughs> we take the piss out of Doctor Who monsters all the time being just like men in suits but these ones actually are people in suits and that's why it plays to the strength of that um, and I think these really solid ones don't quite scare me the Cybus ones are amazing but they were just brains in metal suits which was less kind of skin crawling you know i like the pandorica one that's the only other one that's really creeped me out the one that is in the big bang that that opens up and the skull falls out at the end that was pretty creepy that was proper scary stuff another moffat one of course yeah he does good stuff for the cybermen he does doesn't he yeah yeah also that voice i think we need to talk about the voice the voice is incredible (sighs) this kind of weird modulation thing the the first ones that appeared were um where they um they tapped it out on the little pad what they were saying it's very sort of um Stephen Hawking esque the voice wasn't it it was um again it's stripped right back to basics and on this ship like resources are at such a kind of premium that they are going back to this old school technology that almost feels like your point about how it all looked sort of 1950s is because the technology is regressing because they're putting all of the resources into Making the Cybermen, which is... Yeah, they're not developing in any other way. Any other aspect of society is remaining static while they push the cyber element forward. Yeah, it's great. It's proper good stuff. Soon they will create the Cybermat. (laughs) (laughs) Two things. Here is my confession. John Sim completely fooled me. I had no idea until the moment that he was talking to Missy that that was the master. Oh, my god! I didn't work it out, Tom. Oh, dude. I mean, congratulations. Yeah. That must have been so much better. Yeah. Did you get it straight away? Well, he was in all the trailers and things. Um, well, I knew he was going to be around, but I thought he was going to be a prisoner somewhere. I didn't realise that it oh. was it was going to be Mr. Razor. Oh, you didn't know? Yeah, I, got, I twigged it. There was something about his voice and the shape of his face that didn't quite... You're a very uh, talented mimic yourself, so I feel like you've got a bit of advantage. But I was on the Commodity, which is our Facebook listeners page. Yeah, yeah. And there were a few stupid people like me who didn't <laughs> manage to get there. I'm not, I, they, we're not stupid guys, but we, we just, 
willingly taken in by the narrative. Yeah, yeah. So that was amazing. So my second point is the master is back as a master of disguise. Yes. And I love Missy and I'm on board with everything and what they've done with the character this season. I love it. But just to see that crazy disguise thing, like who is this person (laughs) who looks a little like the master? (laughs) Oh, it's the master. It it reminded me of um, the 80s master. He looks like pointlessly dressed up as a scarecrow. I mean, he had no actual reason to go to that length. (laughs) Did he? <laughs> he is insane, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he had no, re- he, but he enjoys it, I suppose. So great. Fair enough. Carry yeah. on. He, um, the only reason that he's in disguise in this one is to fool the v- viewer. Bill doesn't know who he is. He, <laughs> he could just be himself. Again, he's just dressing up because he feels like it. It's, it's, I mean, of all the things to be creeped out by with the master. That shouldn't be one of the main ones, but it is. It's so weird that he chooses to do that. I like to dress up. <laughs> do you? <laughs> oh, man. It, 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 proper, proper Anthony Ainley stuff that was. Um, and I loved it. He is insane. The Razor character was fun as well. Had yeah. a load of good lines, crazy accent, scuttling <laughs> around the place. <laughs> Good, strong aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was on board. I thought that was a great performance from Sims. Is it Sim or Sims? It's Sim. Yeah, the S has been dropped off the end. Okay. I wonder if that was a stage name thing. Probably not. Um, I loved the, yeah, the the good tea and the bad tea bit made me laugh. Um, And then, um, have it hot because you cannot taste how bad it is. Or something like that. It was great. The horror is mostly the tea. (laughs) And also, like, just before we move on, like, the first multi-master story. Yeah, what an amazing concept. I was talking about this last week. How how has that not occurred to any showrunner? Like, (laughs) we've had multiple, I guess with Delgado, it was probably quite hard. There wasn't much time. Yeah. But what a great idea. What a strong idea. It's a proper good idea, isn't it? I mean, I it's a weird one because Big Finish did um, did a uh, multi-master story. I think there were three masters in it. Um, and I reckon that probably would have been formulated around the same time that Moffat was coming up with the idea. So it was it was coming. But um, isn't it spectacular to see them both? And I just love the idea that seemingly he's come back because he's kind of disappointed that she's turning good or something. Yeah. It's like I'm worried about my future. Whoa, what a Brit! Like so, like that's proper, like innovative stuff. Like after all these years of having this show, we're still coming up with really cool new ideas like that, which is yes, great. They feel at the same time fresh and also they really honoured the show's past. Yeah, both at the same time, which is a hard trick to pull off. It is. And he doesn't always pull it off, I don't think. But um, this time, I think he did. What is your second one, Thomas? So, going back to the Cybermen, um, the nature of this this colony ship is that it, in fact, was on its way to Mondas. Am I right? And this, um, this whole society had essentially um, happened all from the original sort of set-up team mm-hmm. um, due to the time-related stuff that was going on with the black hole. Um, even though they're not on Mondas, they're actually on their way. Am I right in saying that? That's yeah, right. They're, they're on, on, their way. on the way to Mondas to pick everyone up. Yeah, and it's already happened, which is a really bleak idea. But my point is, um, it, isn't it fascinating that uh, as the statement that this makes, uh, um, anywhere that there's humans where the resources run out, 
Cybermen will happen. Mm. Not just on Mondas, but anywhere. That it, it feels like it's a proper evolutionary path that's in, infinitely capable. Um, and then it reminded me of um, the alternate um, reality story where the Cybermen, in fact, um, originated in that reality on the planet Earth. And again, it was the same thing. Yeah. No, I love it. I love the fact that every time it, the human race gets pressured or into a corner, we essentially build ourselves into Cybermen. <laughs> <laughs> That's like our first reaction. It's cool. I mean, it's such, again, it's a brilliant innovation. Like, we, we never would have thought of that, but that that's really cool stuff. And it started with Russell, I guess, who um, brought that up with the Cybermen. But yeah, expanded beautifully here. And um, again, it's a really dark idea. And um, makes me think there's lots of other opportunities for this to happen. But all the Cybermen in the classic series are so different. What if the ones in Earthshock, which are rather kind of Darth Vader-ish and emotional and excellent, what if they actually didn't originate from the Mondasian ones? Maybe they originated somewhere else and then they all got together and because they're a similar species and then merged and then... Like so, the Borg. Yeah. But before the Borg. Yeah. <laughs> I read a, a comic once, which was Borg versus Cybermen. Oh, yes. Did you, did you read that? I haven't read it, but I know of it. I must read that. So funny. That's <laughs> such a brilliant idea. It sort of marries the two universes together quite well. And it's yeah. in a similar way to, um, don't know if anyone's watched Blake 7, but um, at the end of series two of Blake 7, um, a load of aliens invade um, the um, Federation space. And um, originally... Um, it was mooted that they would be Daleks because um, it was a Terry Nation yeah, series, and um, but it didn't happen probably for obvious reasons. But I, I, lo I love anything like that. It's cool stuff. Great crossovers, and also another really funny joke is the whole "this is the genesis of the Cybermen." <laughs> it's a kind of a meta joke about well, the Daleks got a whole serial about yeah. their genesis, <laughs> yes. so this is the genesis for the Cybermen. I actually don't know what the title is for next week's one, um, um, but it would have been a brilliant title for next week's or this week's. Yeah, um, I wonder if... I don't know either. I don't know if that's because I'm not well-researched or because they're withholding it, because you wouldn't want uh, to know it beforehand. Because I, I, I've lost track of titles recently. I, do, I still can't remember what the title of the one that we've just watched is. It's, this one, it's got a beautiful title, World Enough and Time. Oh. We have World Enough and Time. Really, I love Ooh. it. That's a really good one. And fits into Moffat's kind of... He has a lot of ones around time and do yeah, yeah. The, of the Doctor. He, it feels part of that series in a yeah. way. Um, yeah, amazing. So cool. Three things that we liked. The black hole thing. Again, I think there's a theme here with this one. It's a terribly bleak idea that um, this ship is sort of doomed but i just love the mechanics of the the time related mechanics in the story of tom time. that's mine too let's high five it yeah <laughs> that was a good high five too it's good it's um it, it gave the story this again it was so bleak because the moment bill got in trouble seconds passed for them on the other end of the ship nearest the black hole and like it gave it a sort of Caves of Androzani-esque kind of peril, a kind of tension in it because time was literally like 
running out. Um, and the doctor knows, right? He's worked it out almost immediately. So he knows every moment this incredible, brilliant brain of his is taking to work out what to do next is years off Bill's life. And he yeah. knows he's put her in that, deci- uh, in that position. And so it must be horrible for him. He's got to get into that elevator. He's got to get down to her because every moment he considers the options is a lifetime for her. (laughs) So awful. It's a heartbreaking idea. I mean, Moffat loves a companion weights thing, but this one was so cleverly spun. I loved it. It was so dangerous. I kind of rarely feel these days a real sense of danger in the stories, but we've had it so much this series. I mean, like with Oxygen, again, it had oh, that... such a good episode. It just had the peril to it, and like it really got under my skin, and then the same happened here. I was like, that is such a genius idea, the fact that he's kind of essentially already lost, mm. and seconds have gone by. Yeah, because human lives are so brief. Yeah. And he normally he revels in that and takes the mickey out of it but but he can't do anything he's he's put he's put her in that position yeah and i actually really enjoyed the flashbacks of just the little moments with them sort of eating fish and chips whatever it was (laughs) on the roof i just like those little moments where they just seem like close friends it was really nicely dropped in really nicely done i'm a little annoyed though because i guess people don't know this but we as the Oodcast were going to do a series of audio adventures at one point and we'd mapped out the entire series and one of our episodes was going to be a spaceship collides with the TARDIS and crashes on a planet. And when the Doctor comes down to check they're all right, he finds that something in the TARDIS engines has split the crew between people moving like fast in time and slow. And so when he gets down, he finds a whole civilization built around these things called... um, I think we were going to call them golems or sentinels, <laughs> which is essentially the crew that are moving slowly. Oh. So um, we were going to, and he, then he was going to use the TARDIS engines to phase between the two different yeah, time yeah, streams yeah. and talk to this civilization that had been there for millennia in the time it taken to land the TARDIS and the ones who were just picking themselves off out, up off the crash site. Wow. And I feel like that's too near the concept of this one to now do it. It's certainly not now, but I think, there's enough similar to it um that you can get away with that and i think so much has already been i'll just say go for it it's a great idea i've told everyone it now oh that's true (laughs) (laughs) let's edit this bit out don't edit this about edit this about do whatever you want um but but my initial annoyance at taking an idea which it's sort of (laughs) been done before in um with girl who waited yeah yeah, two time streams as well yeah that idea of of time running at different speeds simultaneously but it's so beautiful and the 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 whole backing away from the black hole the reason and stuff great really Mm -hmm. excellent um and who knows if this is the true origin of the mondasian cybermen it could be we don't know at the end of this this cyberman arc could continue on its journey very interesting start getting all of uh all of the inhabitants start converting all of them too I hadn't thought of that. Maybe they don't um, end up in the in the black hole. Maybe they do make it to Mondas, and that's how that happened, kind yeah. of thing. Oh, that's that's quite scary as well, isn't it? That's a thought Again, that's going to pick in the morning. I like, I like the idea is that they <laughs> they arrive on um, Mondas, all these Cybermen, with this great idea, and find just a load of Cybermen waiting for Already them. And they're like, oh no, we've already done it, you know. So, uh, yeah, well, we, we can all, all be in one gang now. That's we cool. can't all be in. Our- 
Okay. Oh, man. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> I don't know where this has come from, Tom. It's, um, you're going to have to be converted. Mm. It's Ugh. all right. Don't worry. It, yeah. you, your, your lungs will operate infinitely better after. Amazing. Yeah. And I'll just be in a massive amount of pain the whole time. Bang. 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 Oh, gosh. I couldn't unhear that. No. So creepy. Three things that we liked. It's a very small point because I obviously adored this episode. I just, I just seeing another companion being turned into a Cyberman was a little bit. So there's two parts to this. Firstly, we've seen it before with the Brigadier and mm. with Mr. Pink as well. Yes. Both yeah, being yeah. sort of pushed, hand waved away almost by being converted into a Cyberman. So it didn't feel as fresh. Yeah. But secondly, and more importantly to me, I do not want Bill to end oh. up that way. She's been such an incredible character for me, standout performance of the entire season. I thought she's been a brilliant companion, pushing barriers in some ways as well, which but gently and with grace. I yeah. think she has been amazing. And I don't want this to be the end for her. I'm not sure it will be. But at this stage, halfway through the two-parter, I am angry. That this might be the ending for her. Not even an original ending. So that is the thing that made me upset. Cruel, cruel Moffat. I mean, we. she's been great. I absolutely love her. Same here. Um, and what a bloody awful thing. She, first she gets shot, and then she gets turned into a, a Cyberman. And there's nothing the Doctor can do to help her. I mean, it's like it's proper... It's not fair. It's not the most likable companion for ages and this is what happens you know it's like oh come on i, I hope mean, it's not the last we see of her i, I really guess do. it's kind of a stealth compliment because it's basically saying you've created a character that i care about and i am sad that you are yeah. doing nasty things to her so really i'm sneaking in another thing that i like <laughs> yeah. but i've couched it in terms of something i didn't like to be sneaky yeah, I, I mean, at least we felt something, you know? Yeah. Which is, you know, not that often really these days. It's precious. Yeah, with with Doctor Who for sure is that you feel it like that deeply. But this one I was, again, probably gutted for her. Did you have anything that you felt was slightly less successful? Yes. Um, so with these finales, Moffat has a history of setting up quite well. But setting up too much, um, having great ideas in there, which would make fantastic stories in themselves and are more than enough. And then in the second part, just it all going a bit... Yeah. Um, and then with this one, it frustrates me so much because the idea of this ship and the genesis of the Cybermen and what's happened to Bill and how creepy it all was and the peril involved with that and how the Doctor gets her out of this and... Um, is enough for a finale in, in the way that the ingredients in like the, the first series, part of the way is Bad Wolf, more than enough. They didn't overcook it. I feel like nowadays, if they did Parting of the Ways again, like, I don't know, Omega would be in it as well, you know? Um, and unfortunately, as much as I love the Two Masters thing, um, it's just too much. Save it for the Christmas special, right? Hey, that would have been amazing. Mm. Um, but I, I know that 45 minutes is not enough to um to solve everything that's going on cohesively and satisfyingly really unfortunately it's just going to be a, a sort of 
projectile vomit of story from flying our way next week unfortunately which is a real shame and i know it's going to happen as well um because history tells us with his finales that it kind of do you know what i really loved his first one i really loved the big bang because it was this massive the the one before pandorica opens was this massive space opera with the doctor yelling at the skies (laughs) and the the skies around stonehenge filling with every spacecraft Mm -hmm. ever and then essentially the next episode is like a three-hander it's just or four maybe but it's it's essentially it becomes a very tiny and very character-led very clever and Mm. and with a fun narrative so i thought he did perfectly in season five but i agree every one since then has been a disappointment really disappointing and i hope this doesn't happen next week um, we shall hope for the best. A bit much. I feel like talking about this, we haven't talked about the cold open, the literal cold open where we see the doctor fall to his knees and begin to regenerate. Yeah. Do we know if Capaldi is doing the Christmas special or not? Um, I mean... Could he regenerate at the end of next week? Uh, <laughs> I, Do you know? Yeah, you I know. know. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, don't tell me. And definitely don't tell everyone who no. listens to this podcast. Just from my point of view, mm. I don't know. And I'm really excited about what that is. Yeah, when yeah. he's going to regenerate. You've been good. I don't think you've let me know one way or the other no. or any of our listeners. So don't worry. I mean, we could potentially get uh, a the kind of biggest surprise ever and get our new doctor next week on screen without any announcement yeah we could get that next week and a new master as well oh my gosh i mean everyone could regenerate gosh that'd be amazing wouldn't it yeah rassilon could turn up and regenerate too (laughs) oh Oh my god it gets in on the parties oh come on guys I love a bit of Barusa, me. Barusa's great. They should bring him back in the new series. I hope they do one day. Mm. Even though he's the, kind of in He's the, in Rasselin's plinth at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Just his eyes just going, oh, dying. That's, that's very me. creepy, that isn't was it? so creepy. How did they do that? Just make a little plastic mask and then smush so, your face yeah. up on it. And his it one's... Really re- uh, we're going massively away from yeah. the... Fly, but his, his one's really um, pink. Because he's only just got there, so his life forces are still really strong, whereas the others are very pale and vampiric <laughs> looking uh yeah yeah so tom what is your rating on the five doctors no we're not doing that are we <laughs> um we don't tend to do ratings there but did you enjoy this episode i did i very much enjoyed it me it, too it was damn simple really and pretty visceral or visceral or visceral 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 um and i love it yeah it had real tension and it had a doomy kind of feel the music was great um, that cyber chime was in it, which reminded me of Earthshock and, and some of the big finish stuff, which was really cool to have that in there. Very subtle. It was like, dong, dong, dong. <laughs> that was a terrible rendition of it, and I wish I hadn't done it, but now I've done it. Um, <laughs> yes, so I can't even remember what, what I was saying. You were just wrapping up whether you liked it or not. You seem to be very happy with it. I'm very happy with it. But That's apprehensive great. about next week. I am... Yeah, too much to do. Well, Tom, it has been such a pleasure talking to you on this episode. If our listeners would like to follow you more, where would they find you? Twitter.com forward slash the RH experience for the improv and comedy stuff. And then personally uh, at Tom Webster, T-O-M-W-E. 
B-S-T-A on Twitter as well. Um, and that's about it, really. I can't really and look at it. Big Finish. Oh, look at Big Finish. Yeah. Doing cool stuff. Fantastic. All the classic Doctors are still doing new Doctor Who stories. I, I, I have to pinch myself that Tom Baker's still making new Doctor Who on audio. It's great. Yeah, and everyone that we're talking to now are predisposed towards audio. So yeah. we're talking to the right people. It's a, a natural um, progression to now go and check the Big Finish website out if you've not heard of Big Finish somehow. I think most, most of people would have. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But before we go, there are other ouds, of course. Uh, so here is the haiku from Chris Alpha. Hi, everyone. Here is the haiku for World Enough and Time. Distant humans find black hole not their worst problem. Bill is upgraded. And not forgetting, I expect he's going to have a field day this week. Uh, Andrew with Classic Andy and all the Classic Who references. It's Andy. It's Andy. It's time for Classic Andy. Andy. With stuff he saw inside the show that he thinks that they planned. Lots of things this week. The cold and snowy regeneration is fascinating because, of course, the first Doctor's regeneration occurred in Antarctica after a battle with Mondasian Cybermen. What's the moth up to, I wonder? I really enjoyed the play with the title Doctor Who. Of course, Missy is teasing the Doctor, but the gag, look at the screens, was brilliantly played, as so many people have assumed it to be the Doctor's full name because of the title right there in the title sequence. But the second Doctor once referred to himself as Dr. von Wehr, German for Doctor Who, so it chimes with his own reluctance to reveal his name and maintain an air of mystery, something I've always loved. Nice to see the Master's goatee is back. It did strike me that in Utopia, John Sim was sporting some beard right after his regeneration. I wondered at the time if the Master removed this because politicians rarely seem to have beards these days. Nice to see the Master donning a disguise, too. This feels like old times. The whole look for the Master is back. The beard, the black costume. There's a photo from next week where, in long shot, there's something very Anthony Ainley about his appearance that made my inner eight-year-old go, uh-oh. I also like the stating that the companions are not assistants, and the final word on the subject from Bill being that they are friends. And the lovely scene where Time Lord Gender is discussed. It's like the moth is underlining his thoughts on all this, and does it so playfully. Calling exposition and comic relief genders is a lovely touch, emphasising the fact that we really don't know what the Time Lords are. Cyber handles, though. I've often wondered, when looking at them, what they are for. They're a great bit of design, and to find out their purpose was really unsettling. And another example of how the moth can go from light and playful to horror so easily. When they collect Bill from the flight deck, I really thought they would say, you will become like us. For me, the most chilling line in all of Doctor Who. Bill, though. Oof. The Cybermen have previous when it comes to the, do- to the Doctor's companions. Adric died saving the Earth from them, and I was about nine then. It was shocking and surprising, but also, as a piece of drama, an important moment. The consequences of the Doctor's adventures had hardly ever been more clear, And with Bill's cyber-conversion, it's happening again. Mixing adventure, humour, hope and danger and huge themes and really high stakes on a Saturday evening has always been Doctor Who. 
and the fact that it can still take us on extraordinary tea time adventures that surprise and shock and make us think and yet entertain us is such an achievement. So Commodity, thank you so much for joining myself and Tom this week. As always, get on the Facebook page and discuss it. I feel very privileged to share uh, the Commodity group with so many uh, intelligent and funny and brilliant other Whovians. Mm. Um, so definitely get on that if you aren't already. The threads where people review and chat about episodes has become a real highlight for me. Uh, I'll miss them when they're gone next week. Uh, but yeah, we've still got one week to get on board that lovely community. Uh, other than that, our time together is drawing to a close. See you again next week. Cheerio! Bye! Oh, Cybercat. <gasps>